are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible, please. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 22 tonight. Luke, chapter number 22. It's good to be back in church again on Tuesday night. I appreciate all the good singing tonight and the good crowd this evening. And thank you for being faithful to the meeting. You can probably hear it in my voice. My voice is a little bit weak, and I think it's from the damp air in the evening that does that. So I don't know. Maybe I won't scream as much tonight. You'd like that, wouldn't you? No? Okay, well, we'll see what happens then. If my voice goes out, then we'll do like tag team wrestling. That's real spiritual, isn't it? I'll run down the steps and I'll tag Brother Bertram or I'll tag Pastor or I'll tag one of these women over here that can really preach and uh, we'll just have revival. How about that? Luke chapter number 22. Take your Bible. We'll read verse 39 down through verse number 46. And uh, I want to give you the message God has laid on my heart for tonight. I'm praying that God will speak to us. And uh, I like a service where everybody shouts amen and they're into it. But also it doesn't bother me if you're not saying amen because you're listening. And I'm praying God will help us to hear the message and then also heed the message tonight. Luke chapter 22, let's read it together, verse 39. And he came out and went as he was wont. That word want is an archaic word. It means he was accustomed to going. He was in the habit of going to pray as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. By the way, he prayed, and God met his need. That's a good reminder to us tonight. If you have a need, we have a God who will hear our prayer and thank God He can meet the need. Verse 44, And being in agony, He prayed more earnestly. And His sweat is, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when He rose up from prayer and was coming to His disciples, He found them sleeping for sorrow. And He said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. I want to draw your attention to verse 42 and a phrase that is uttered in prayer by our Savior. As Jesus is in the garden and as he considers the prospects of what lies ahead and what he's going through even in the garden, he begins to pray. As he prays, he raises the white flag of his will. He submits himself. He surrenders himself. He humbles himself, if you will, and he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Tonight I want you not to quickly answer. I don't want you to even answer in a moment. I want you to think about it. But I want to ask you tonight, as the father of your family, the mother in your house, a husband, a wife, a young person, senior citizen, middle-aged, as a Christian, Tonight, could you honestly say, if God was to take his lie detector and hook it to your heart, could you say honestly tonight, whatever it is, whatever it means, whatever it costs, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. For a little while tonight, I want to preach on that 
question. Can you say truly, nevertheless, tonight? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for power to preach. I pray that you'd help us to consider the will of God tonight. Whatever that means, wherever that leads, I pray we'd be able to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I pray you'd meet with your people. We need you. We're hungry for you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You're probably familiar with the old hymn that says, Neath the old olive trees, neath the old olive trees, went the Savior alone on his knees. Not my will, but thine be done, cried the Father's own Son as he knelt neath the old olive trees. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, I beseech you. That's like he's saying, I beg you. I plead with you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus prayed in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Calvary is looming on the horizon of his life. Gethsemane is home to many olive trees. In fact, the word Gethsemane literally means press or pressure. It's from this garden that the olives are harvested for the anointing oil. Those olives will be taken and crushed and smashed and beaten with stone tools in earthen vessels until the pure oil of those olives would spill out into the bowl. Jesus is under pressure. He's under pressure like no person would ever endure. Jesus is the personified example of those olives. He's in the crucible. He's feeling the weight of coming world redemption. He's being pressed almost beyond measure. As he prays, he considers the prospect. He's going to drink the full cup of our sin. He who knew only holiness would take upon himself every bit of unholiness that could ever crawl up out of the pits of hell. On Calvary, Jesus would endure a physical battle but now in the garden, he's fighting a spiritual battle. He prayed, and as he prayed, sweat beaded up in crimson balls upon his brow and fell into the soil. As those blood drops splashed onto the ground, those were the opening drops of blood spilled for the atonement of our sin. When a man sweats blood like this, it's a telltale sign that he's living right on the threshold of death. Jacob had wrestled with the Lord many generations before this, but now we read as the Lord wrestles within himself. In Matthew's parallel account of our passage, the Bible says, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Can you imagine his turmoil? Yes, he loved us, but he sure hates sin. Now he's faced with the task of bearing the sins of the world. The Bible tells us he's in agony, but being in agony, he prays more earnestly. As Jesus prays, he utters a word. It's a word of submission. It's a word of surrender. It's a word of absolute loyalty. It's a word that paves the way to Calvary. It's a word that ensures our sacrifice would indeed be offered for sin. It's a word that signifies to the Father that the Son was not concerned with His own will, but He was set on doing the will of the Heavenly Father. Picture, picture Jesus in the garden. Hear His voice as He cries out to God. 
in the solemn moment of that night as torches from the Roman guards near the garden's entrance as his disciples sleep in the distance among the twisted trunks of the olive trees a word resounds from the lips of God in human form Jesus prays and as he pours out his heart to his father Jesus utters that word nevertheless nevertheless is a declaration Nevertheless is an announcement. Nevertheless is the verbal expression of that white flag of self-will as it surrenders to the will of another. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 through 7, we find an account where Simon Peter also uttered that word, nevertheless. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. Uh, can you imagine Peter grown up fishing on those waters. Peter knew what it was to catch fish there. Peter knew, as it were, every honey hole on the lake. Peter knew what bait to use. Peter knew when to fish. Peter knew the right time to catch fish on the waters of Genesaret. He understood if you're going to fish, you'd fish in the night. The water was too shallow to fish in the sunlight. It was impossible to catch a fish in the day. It made no sense. It went against everything Peter thought he knew if Peter was to launch out at the word of Jesus. Think about it. Peter's tired. He's been fishing all night. His fishing buddies are packing up their nets and putting their boats in dry dock. They're all going home for the day. And now Jesus, God in flesh, says, Peter, I've got a plan for your life. I want you to launch out again. Take your boat out and cast your net into the water. I like what Peter does. Peter Peter, Peter might have thought he knew better. Peter might have had a different plan. But Peter won the battle between self-will and God's will. And Peter launched out again. He might have said in his heart, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. That's not how I would do it. That's not even what I want to do. I'm not really in it. Nevertheless, if that's what Jesus wants, if that's what Jesus says, if that's what Jesus thinks at his word, I will. And because of that, nevertheless, Simon almost sunk his ship with the amount of fish that God put in his net. Jesus said, nevertheless, at thy, but thy, never, not my will, but thine be done. Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will. I want to ask tonight, can you honestly say, with God's lie detector hooked to your heart, whatever it is, whatever it costs, wherever it leads, whatever it means nevertheless not my will but thine be done 
That word nevertheless is woven throughout the word of God. For example, in 2 Timothy 1.12, the Bible said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That word nevertheless means notwithstanding. It means even so. It means in spite of. It means still, yet, or although. When Christ declared nevertheless, he's declaring his absolute surrender to the Father and he's offering himself as a living sacrifice upon the altar of God's perfect will. Whether it meant the pressure of Gethsemane or the bloody sweat that would run down his brow, whether it meant he died in the garden or he died on bloody Calvary, whether it meant scourged and mocked, whether it meant sped upon and beaten, Jesus relinquished everything in himself, yielded his all to the Father, and he said, nevertheless, if it means agony, nevertheless, if it means sorrow, nevertheless, if it means betrayal, nevertheless, if it means trial, nevertheless, if it means mocking, nevertheless, if it means bruising, nevertheless if it means scourging nevertheless if it means spat upon nevertheless if it means stripped naked nevertheless if it means shamed nevertheless if it means forsaken nevertheless if it means a cross nevertheless not my will but thine be done I'd never stand up here tonight and say that I'm a poet I'm not a poet at all. In fact, I never do this. I, just last week, my little adopted niece, Gracie Ith, was letting me read her poems that she wrote in school. Maybe she inspired me. But I was in my office today and I was writing and it just came and I began to pen. If it means poverty or it means wealth, if it means disease or it means health, if it means sunshine or it means rain, if it means joy or it means pain, nevertheless, if it means blessing or it means tragedy, if it means unknown or means popularity, nevertheless, if it means to lead or it means to follow, if it comes as sweet or hard to swallow, if it means friends or or it means I'm alone, if it means at home, or it means I'm gone, nevertheless, if it means the mountain, or it means the valley, if it means strangers, or it means my family, if it means thanks, or it means scorn, if it means comfort, or it means worn, nevertheless, if it means my plans, or it means God's, if it means great prospects or horrible odds, if it means life, or it means death, can I pray as Jesus, nevertheless, and I I want to ask you tonight, not in your head, but with your heart. And I don't want you to answer it flippantly and I don't want you to answer it quickly, but can you honestly say whatever it is, if it's God's will, that's what I want for my life. Jesus, never the less. How concerned are you about being in the will of God? How committed are you to stay in the will of God? How serious are you about your family living in the will of God? That seems like a crazy question to have to ask a bunch of Christians. But with all the different decisions and directions that I see Christians going in these days, I have to ask tonight, can you really say, nevertheless, what does the will of God really mean in your life? Is the will of God more important than money? 
Is the will of God more important than good weather? Is the will of God more important than politics? Is the will of God more important than extended family? Is the will of God more important than a better paying job? Is the will of God more important than physical health? Is the will of God more important than privacy or hobbies or alone time? Can you pray like Jesus did? Whatever it means and whatever comes, not my will but thine be done. Nevertheless, is the will of God more important to you than your comfort zone? I wonder if you'd rather be in the will of God or financially stable. Would you rather be in the will of God and live in a place where maybe where there's a little bit of persecution or just move to a place that's more Christian friendly? Would you rather live in the will of God or find a better climate? Would you rather be in the will of God or live closer to home? I remember pastoring or, or counseling with a pastor friend of mine and I was talking about the prospects of moving here for the ministry. And he made a statement. He said, Brother Cooper, you can always visit home, but you can't afford to just visit the will of God. I wonder if you and I have grown to the point where we can honestly say it like Jesus did. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I'm convinced we're seeing people make so many bad decisions and show so much lack of discernment because they're not honestly able to say, nevertheless, whatever it is, I want God's will, not my way, thy will be done. I'm afraid most Christians only want the will of God if it means they can have the will of God and their money too. They want the will of God if it means they can have the will of God and their comfort too. They want the will of God if it means they can get the will of God and do their own thing too. They want the will of God as long as it matches the will of them. They'll take the will of God as long as it means the perfect job in the perfect town with the perfect paycheck and the right people are close by. That's not nevertheless. Nevertheless is not window shopping in this world. Nevertheless is getting alone in a prayer closet, burying your head in a Bible, letting the Holy Ghost of God direct your steps and say, not my will, but thine be done. Can you pray it like Jesus tonight? Hey, mother, can you say it? Father, can you say it? Family, can you say it? Teenager, can you say it? Whatever it means, wherever it leads, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Ask yourself this in your life. Is it true that you'll take the will of God only if it doesn't cost too much? You'll take the will of God only if it pays good? You'll entertain the will of God if it means your kids don't have to go to Bible college? You'll take the will of God if it means your son doesn't get called to preach? You'll take the will of God as long as you want to live below the wealth standard of all of your lost neighbors. I wonder if we've really gotten to the point where we can say it and mean it. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Can you see Jesus there in the garden as he sweats and prays in agony and blood like crimson beads roll down the precious forehead of our Lord. Why is he in such agony? Because he was willing to lay his will aside for the fathers. Shouldn't you and I, if he could die for us, resolve we're gonna live for him. I wonder tonight if you could say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Are you at the point that if it means a disease comes to your family, you can trust God enough to know that God knows best and you could pray, 
nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Are you at the place tonight where it might mean you might lose some money, but you say, I'd rather lose money and be in the will of God and say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Are you at the point tonight you'd be able to endure slander, be lied about, scorned, and even hated if it meant you could be in the will of God and you'd say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Have you grown spiritually enough? Are you in love with Jesus enough? Do you have enough Christianity? Do you have enough salvation tonight to say, I don't care what happens. I'm not looking for temporal things. I'll set my affections on things above, whatever it means. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. I hope you won't hold it against me, but I want to be personal just for a minute, just because I I can't tell anybody else's personal illustration because I'm not them, so I have to use mine. And I'm not saying this to talk about me. I'm saying this just to illustrate. Just for a few minutes. I'm no more spiritual than you, and that's not what I'm saying. My family and I have lived here for just shy of two years. It's hard to believe how fast that time has gone by. We love it here, and this is home for us. I wouldn't change a thing, and I'm not looking to relocate. We're here. I think I can say this, and you won't take it the wrong way. I'm just like you. There's a million places other than here I could be right now. I don't know this, but maybe there's a church out there I could send a resume to and they'd let me pastor it. I don't know. Maybe I could just preach another meeting next week and the week after that and just make more money and go into evangelism full time. I'm not trying to say, you understand what I'm doing. I'm not trying to talk myself up. I'm just trying to illustrate. I don't know. Maybe there's some doors open like that that we could go do. But here's what I believe with all my heart. Right now at this very moment, our family's living in the middle of God's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You have to understand, I don't know where you're from, but you know where I'm from. I've told you I'm a country boy from a small town. We have less than 2,000 people in our city. There's more people that come to church here on Sunday when we're in our building than live in my city. Now we live in the heart of the Silicon Valley. I don't care if you pick on me or not. I've just accepted who I am. We are the living incarnation now that we've moved to California of the Beverly Hillbillies. That's just what we are. Some might ask, why in the world are you there? Because it's God's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Would you consider it? And this is the case for most of our church. We live 3,000 miles away from our family. We live 3,000 miles away from our parents. Our parents are not old, but they are getting older. We don't get to see them every day and watch them and drive them to anything that they need driven to, appointments and things. that We miss their life and they're missing ours. We don't get to have Sunday dinners with our family. They aren't here. We don't drop off Lincoln for a play date with Grandma and Grandpa because we can't. Our extended family has had babies in the last two years since we've lived here. And it took two years before we met the first one. She's about two years old. And the, and the other one that's been born, we haven't got to meet him yet. I'm not complaining. I'm just illustrating. We don't go to graduations or birthdays. And we don't get to do all the holidays with family. And I'm not complaining about it. You might be thinking here tonight, I think I'm going to get out. Well, that's as far from where I'm at as possible. You know, we prayed and begged God to let us get in. I wonder if you could pray tonight, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I'll be honest with you. I want to preach every single day of my life. I'll be honest with you. And he might sit back here and say, you're fired. I want to preach every single service. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I want to do 
what you'd want to do. I mean, I like that, but I know where I'm at. And here's the way I look at it. Where else can you go and get paid to get an education from the greatest pastor that's living today? I tell you, I feel like I'm blessed. I believe I'm in the center of God's will. Nevertheless, I'm not bitter. I'm not mad. I'm enjoying the journey. I'm on the happy train tonight. Why? Because I'm in God's will. Now, I tell you, my flesh might like to live in the mountains. That's where we're from. I think I was born with uneven legs so that I could walk on those hillsides. I mean, every cow birthed in West Virginia has two legs, a half foot short than the other, so they don't fall down the hill. That's kind of how I am. We're from that area with hollers and hills and ridges and turkeys and deers. I mean, we barely have stripes on our roads and don't even ask me about cell phone reception. But now we're here in the Silicon Valley. Why? Because it's God's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When we came here, we sold or gave away almost everything we had so we could come. We we sold our house and gave up a lot of ministry contacts. I canceled the majority of my meetings on the East Coast. You say, why would you do that? Because this was God's will. It wasn't a flipping decision. I wasn't flipping through the catalog for job openings. I wasn't just looking for a different location that had a red governor or a blue governor. I was looking for the will of God. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I had friends ask me, and they didn't mean to be like this. They just were being uh, concern. They said, don't you want to preach and pastor closer to family? Don't you want to live somewhere more conservative? Don't you want to be somewhere where you can afford to buy a house? Wouldn't you rather pastor your own church instead of serve a pastor at a church? But can I ask you, can you see Jesus in your mind right now? Can you see Jesus, child of God, in the garden? Can you see him there? Is he's in agony and he's praying and drops of blood run down his brow. And can I say, that's not just me. Brother Bertram could say the same thing and Brother Everson the same thing and anybody else you could say the same thing. Why are we here? Nevertheless, God's will. That's what I want. Not my will, but thine be done. I've been asked why to give up all those meetings. I remember sitting with a preacher and I won't name his name because he preaches here and he wasn't trying to be negative. He loves us in this place, but he said the first thing out of his mouth when I told him I was coming, he said, well, what about your meetings? Now I understand that. But I tell you where I want to live. I don't want to live what about the meetings. I want to live what about the will of God. Bob Jones Sr. made a statement that I would not personally make, but it sure does illustrate how important the will of God is. He said, I'd rather be in hell if it were God's will than to be in heaven out of it. Because if I were in hell in God's will, then hell would be heaven for me. Something that bothers me and troubles me is the trend I see even among good Christian people. And they'll say things like this, you know what, I'm just sick of the politics in California. I'm moving out. I'm sick of the high cost of living. I'm moving out. By the way, I'd rather it be quiet than shout an amen because that means you're listening. I'm sick of the letdown. I'm moving out. I'm sick of the shutdown. I'm moving out. I've not been here as long as most of you, but I've been here long enough to get sick of hearing people talk about how sorry it is and how bad it is and how they can't wait to sell and move and relocate and get another job. I'm sick of reading posts on social media about I hate California and I can't wait to get out of this place. Hey, you might say that and you can go ahead and go if you want to, but God brought us here in the will of God. I'd rather live in the will of God than anywhere else in this world. Before you make that decision, by the way, bless your heart, you better talk to Elimelech. Elimelech made the same decision 
decision based on emotion to take his family someplace where he thought it'd be easier, a little bit cheaper to live, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit more accepting of his lifestyle. And he got out there to Moab and he found himself dead and his boys died too. And his wife was broken and bitter, buried a daughter-in-law. You better consult the will of God before you make a decision. Nevertheless, not my will. I never hear any of those people who want to tell me the honeymoon's over. I'm going to go find a cheaper place to live. I'm going to a Republican state. Not a one of them ever follows that up by saying, by the way, I prayed about it. And I know it's 100% the perfect will of God. I've never seen it. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be cruel. But you know how dangerous it is to get your family out of the will of God? I've never heard any of those negative people say, and I know without a doubt it's 100%. They'll say it pays better, but they won't say it's God's will. They'll say it's more open, but they won't say it's God's will. They'll say it's more conservative, but they won't say it's God's will. They'll say to step up the ladder, but they'll never say it is God's will. They might put it on their post or put it on their email or even say it to a pastor, but they'll never follow up the statement, it is God's perfect will. I wonder tonight, can you really say it like Jesus? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I was talking to a pastor and he's in heaven now and he's a successful pastor in Georgia. And he and I were preaching a meeting together and he told me, he said, when I was a young preacher, Brother Cooper, I got called to preach a revival meeting at such and such a church. He said, I was already pastoring this little mission work. He said, but I got called to preach a revival. He said, a big established church, but it was deader than a hammer. That was his word. He said, I began to preach in that church and because I was young and full of excitement, he said, people started coming. He said, the crowd started growing and we extended and protracted that meeting, not one or two, but several weeks. He said, all of a sudden, unanimously, that church extended to me a call to be their pastor. He said, boy, they had a big building, had a big crowd. But he looked at me and said, but it would not have been the perfect will of God. I remember preaching with Bobby Robertson in Clinton, North Carolina. And he and I were talking about him, really. I was asking him questions as we ate hot dogs one day for lunch. And I remember talking to him about his church. And I knew he'd had a heart attack when he was... About my age now, I guess, he'd had a heart attack, big church split. And he told me, he said, yeah, he could talk. He said, Brother Cooper, here's what I know. If it's the will of God, everything will be all right. And then he told me the story that you've all heard him say about Harold Seitler. He said, Brother Seitler told me, grace of God's sufficient. The grace of God will be sufficient. Where are the Christians in 2021 that live like that? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Where are the Pauls who might get cut off from your family and cast off by society, but you say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Where are those widows that might just have a cruise of oil and a little meal left, but nevertheless, the man of God said, so they baked him a cake first. Where is the Noah that's never seen rain, but he said, if God wants me to build an ark, nevertheless, I'll build an ark. Where's the Abraham who take his son Isaac, lay him on an altar, and bring that knife within a hair's breadth of his heart? But he said, you know what? God told me to nevertheless not my will but thine be done where are the Fanny Crosby's who she said if it means I can't see if it means I have to live blind I'm going to use what I've got for the glory of God nevertheless not my will but thine be done where are the David Brainers? where are the William Carey's where are the Adoniram Judson's where are those who count the cost and go anyhow where are those who want Jesus more than anything else where are those who want to live a life as a living sacrifice for the glory of God 
I wonder tonight who it is that's about to make a bad decision based on emotion and not the will of God. Who is it that's going to make a move based on your feelings and not the perfect will of God? Who is it that's chasing dollars and not God? Who is it that's chasing a job and not God? Who is it that's chasing relief and not God? Who is it that's chasing your freedom and not the will of God? Who is it that's letting the news dictate your decisions and direct your steps? Who is it that's not allowing God to have control? Who is it that's fighting that call to preach? Who is it that's fighting that call to a mission field? Who is it that's fighting that desire to work a bus route? Who is it that's fighting that call to teach a Sunday school class? Who is it that's fighting the will of God? I pray every Christian family tonight would consider before you do anything is this the will of God I pray every college person would pray before you make a decision is this the will of God I pray every teenager before you fill out applications before you plan out what job why don't you just ask God is this the will of God would you crawl up on the altar tonight as a living sacrifice and say nevertheless not my will but thine be done I want to ask you tonight, and I'll close. Can you say nevertheless if it means you might have to bury a loved one? Can you say nevertheless if it means you might have to forfeit fame? Can you say nevertheless if it means you might have to remain single your entire life? Can you say nevertheless if it means you might not have any children? Can you say nevertheless if it means you'll have to endure trials? Can you say nevertheless if it means you'll be acquainted with grief? Can you say nevertheless if it means you'll have to give up security for a life of service? Can you say nevertheless if it means you'll be a follower but not a leader? Can you say nevertheless if it means you have to leave home and live in a foreign land? Can you say nevertheless if it means your children might have to leave home and serve in the ministry? Can you say nevertheless if it means you have to answer the call of God to preach can you say nevertheless if it means you might have to die alone can you say nevertheless if it means friends will forsake you can you say nevertheless if it means family will question you can you say nevertheless if it means what you think you want has to be surrendered to what God knows you need the apostle Paul said that I may know him I don't know if I have the entirety of it but I have written it down in one of my other Bibles I've heard pastor say it when it comes to the will of God, you want to find it. You want to fulfill it. You want to finish it. In 1902, a prayer meeting was being conducted. A young lady named Adelaide Pollard was there. She was heartbroken because she wanted to serve God as a missionary in Africa, but it never came to fruition because of World War I. She was able to visit Africa, but could not stay and be a missionary there. In that prayer meeting, an elderly lady stood up and prayed out loud, and she prayed and said, it really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your way with our lives. Adelaide Pollard took that prayer and put it to paper and wrote a hymn that says, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me. Make me after thy will. While I'm but waiting, yielded and still. We have so many places that need churches planted. We have so many church buildings that need pastors, young men in college. We have so many doors that need soul winners to knock them, so many young people that need teachers in Sunday school. I wonder if you'd consider the will of God tonight.
Are you honestly on the altar? Could you say it as Jesus did? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to pray tonight. Before you just make a move, I want you to really think about it. Can you say that tonight? Young men, have you really considered it? Maybe God wants some of you teenagers to preach. You say, well, mom and dad want me to be a doctor. Well, God might want you to be a preacher. Would you consider his will tonight? What about it? In these tents tonight, in these cars, God has a perfect will for your life. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.